Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that close the next. Big jab there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy out cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bull****. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Sometimes you just got to go Christopher Mad Dog Russo on the audience and let your theme song bleed. It's the Boston Garden rap if you don't know. Support the artist. You can find it anywhere. It's episode 433 of the Anakin Florian Podcast presented by DraftKings. Great to be back with all of you folks. If you are watching on the DraftKings Network, we appreciate that shit. If you're watching on the DraftKings YouTube channel, we appreciate that as well. If you do like and subscribe, that helps the program tremendously. If you're on the audio side, you know what it is. You're the OGs. You're the day ones. We appreciate all of that. Very excited to talk to the former two-time UFC Bantamweight champion, Dominic Cruz, and also the decorated wrestler, Roman Bravo Young, today uh, on the program. A couple things I do want to get to with Ken Flo off the top of the show. So when we were talking to Ray Longo last week, we talked a little bit about this Bantamweight division, and it seems as though it is going to be a rematch between Sean O'Malley and Marlon Chito Vera. May not be in December because Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler could be happening at UFC 296, but... But Rob Dwalishwili is the number one contender. And oftentimes in your career, you found yourself in that very slot, either at 155 pounds or against probably your better judgment, cutting down to 145 pounds. What a fucking savage you were, by the way, <laughs> making 45, you fucking idiot, right? <laughs> so, but in your career, right? So oftentimes it was a meritocracy. When you earned a title fight, you received it. And... But you also were 
one of the bigger names, right? Like when you went down and fought Diego Nunes, it was sort of understood. Kenny Florian's a big name at lightweight. He drops down. You beat Diego, you're getting the title fight. So you at times were able to sort of have your cake and eat it too, insofar as you were the number one contender in a meritocracy, but you also moved the needle to whatever degree. Chael Sonnen has come out since our last episode and criticized Marab for suggesting that he would wait. And I was sort of defending his status as the number one contender last week. It's the only sport in the world where you rise to the championship and you don't necessarily get to fight or compete for it. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's, timing has so much to do with it, right? And and absolutely, you know, I think that uh, that was one of the main reasons why I went down to 145 pounds is that, you know, because I had a certain amount of, of name power that I could go down to that weight class, get a, a, a good fight against great competition, get that win and immediately be in the title conversation. And, and of course, you know, ask for that title shot when I was able to get the deal done. And yeah, it, it's tough. Uh, I, I wonder how bad this injury is for Marab, you know, because I think that, you know, and Ray said this obviously before that he would probably fight with one arm. So the fact that he's saying he wants to take time off is is interesting. Maybe he because he is so close, he wants to be at 100 percent for a training camp or as close to that so he can go out there and, and give himself the best shot at at being a world champion against someone yeah. like O'Malley. But um, I think that after seeing what O'Malley did to Aljo, um, I, I think that they're probably recalibrating and trying to get, you know, at least learn from that fight, uh, learn from some of the mistakes they may have done in that one, uh, get the right pieces in place, get healthy, and then fight later on. So, yeah, it's it's interesting and, and a little bit unexpected from someone like Marab, I think. Yeah. If I'm O'Malley, I want to fight Dominic Cruz. That's the scalp I want. Speaking of which, our guests are early today. Now joining us, future UFC Hall of Famer, the former two-time UFC Bantamweight champion, Dominic Cruz, and his good friend, the legendary wrestler, Roman Bravo Young. I was doing research on my man, RBY, today, and my goodness, I didn't even know the nature and the scope of your legend, but... uh. Roman, it's good to have you on the program, man. I've sort of been following your progress and stuff from afar over the last couple of years, but we appreciate you taking a few minutes for us today, brother. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So there's so much I can get to as far as your wrestling career, but I guess I just wanted to start with uh, with how you and Cruzy got aligned. I know we got Tucson in the building tonight. Look at you rocking the One More Sleep t-shirt. You got to love them. But how did you guys first align? Because it seems like you guys have a really special kinship, uh, despite maybe not being in each other's lives forever, but I may have that wrong. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy-schmancy, tilt-sip, smell routine, or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule-breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia, to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. He can kind of take it over from there. <laughs> 
we lost you. What's that? Did did I, did I am I the only one who lost him on that? Yeah, no, yeah, we I lost, lost him. him. Yeah, but yeah. he had uh, from your vantage point, Dom. What do you recall about uh, how you guys got connected? Well, me and Roman, he reached out because uh, Chel Sonnen, from what I understood, told him that he needed to reach out to me to set up this grappling match, which is genius. Chel's having people do his promoting for him. Uh, and then he doesn't have to do anything. He's just, and that's what I said to him. Like, oh, so he's going to put the pressure on you to call me of all people. You think Roman wanted to call me? You know who really didn't want to call me? Chael. <laughs> right. So it right. was funny because he reached out and I was like, what is going on? Why would Chael have him reach me to book a grab? And I'm like, something fishy's going on here. And I'm like, you know what? Where are you from? You know, my coach, Drew Fickett. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, why are we going to compete against each other? We have the same person that we we work out with in Tucson, Arizona. Let's just work together and take over the world. And he hung up on me. And then <laughs> and then we I reached him again like the next day. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I thought about it. And then we we started linking up. And it's been history ever since. Just really good training. And I think we have a lot of when you come from the same high school, junior high, elementary school upbringing, whether you got, whether we were grew up with each other or not. I mean, it's just so similar. Uh, just the systems that we grew up in that it's like, we've known each other for a really long time. I feel like, I mean, his grandfather was my freestyle wrestling coach growing up in junior high and high school. Like he would, I would go in on the summers and his grandfather was in there telling me what to do. And his grandfather was the guy who set the bar for who was going to be good and who wasn't. And so uh, Bravo Young or Bravo was was the man. And that's his grandfather. Roman, so obviously you've wrestled at, at, at the highest level in, in college and stuff. How different is the training that you had to get to that level uh, as opposed to some of the MMA training that you've been doing? Yeah, I think uh, just like Dom say, my grandpa, he had me doing crazy stuff since I've grown up, you know, running, lifting all the time. Uh, I'd have to do pull-ups before dinner, running out, making me – and I didn't really understand why, but I feel like now that I got to uh, Penn State too, they just train a lot smarter and uh, they do things a different way here and just like the mindset and philosophy. But I definitely think it's, it's, uh, it's different than MMA, but I noticed that since I've been at Penn State, it's all about doing the little things correctly. And sometimes when I go to MMA gyms, a lot of people hate to wrestle and they hate doing the – they do the little things wrong. As you see that, and I think Kale here in the philosophy just at Penn State and my grandpa's kind of just do the little things wrong that uh, that people don't like to do, and that's kind of what's going to separate you a little bit. Now, now was- do you do you want to have a future in mixed martial arts? Oh, absolutely. So obviously to break down some of my plans, I just got done with Penn State. Uh, I was two-time national champ, runner-up this past year. Now I just got citizenship with Mexico. So I just won Mexican nationals in July. So now I got a tournament in November, uh, November, December. That's kind of like make Mexico's Olympic Olympics like rep. And I got to go qualify the weight, which that means you have to take top two at the Pan Ams in March. So I'm trying to make the Olympics right now for Mexico, going down to 125. Haven't been out that way, so I got to sacrifice. And um, yes, yeah, so that's my plan right now. And then I want to wrestle freestyle a little bit because I'm obviously with Mexico now. So just want to get a world medal or two. That's my goals. And I'll be, be completely done with uh, wrestling, do some grappling matches. And then I'll slowly start transitioning with uh, with Dom. But I feel like now that I'm wrestling for Mexico, I got a whole new market to grow myself in. Could be the could be a star out there and then take all that with me 
MMA. I think if you go in MMA with the world medal, it's obviously a little bit more more than going in without one. That's exciting, man. Dom, based on what you've seen from Roman, man, um, what, what what's the ceiling on this kid? Well, let's let's be honest. I mean, I'm not the one that'll ever put a ceiling on anybody, so you know that. But I know it's a phrase that you mean. And what I what I what I see is that I'm a fan because of wrestling. First, like I couldn't wrestle at the level he wrestled, just straight wrestling. So I started fighting. You know. Um, He's going to have just a whole nother level of wrestling because of, like you said, the coaches. I, I went and got to train with Kale and all them and the the gratitude that they focus on, the having fun that they focus on, the way that they grapple doesn't wear you out. It doesn't tear your joints apart. It doesn't – they're not there to beat you to pieces. And so I see really good hope for him uh, crossing over after wrestling because they're not just tearing him to pieces in the room. Now, on the other end, I love how he's going to Mexico because you got to think you got a gauntlet of American wrestlers that are all trying to be on the Olympic team. Now you can go through all that gauntlet or you can go to Mexico, uh, tie down to your heritage, tie down to, you know, what he right. is Mexican, of Mexican descent, like his whole family. So it's like, hey, let's grab a hold of my roots and let's take it and let's put Mexico on the map. I'm American. Everybody knows it. Mexican American. And he can build that build himself up, ha- not have to go through the gauntlet, win all the medals, still show that he's the best in the world. And then that, what a great crossover to MMA. And, you know, I love getting the the benefits of working with somebody who works so hard. I mean, he teaches, he's got a championship mindset, Kenny. I mean, you know, when you've worked with other champions, it doesn't matter what sport a champion's a, a champion, the highest level in another sport is the highest level in another sport. Yep. And the similarities become very much the same right it's it's just put your head down and get the work done and he has that and so he always drives me to be better and then you know i've got a little bit of time in this sport so maybe i can support him in some way and it's to me it's been a really i've been really fortunate to have the partnership with him and the the connections he has you know he's got world-class grappling connections as well yeah because they all want to teach him (laughs) and so i get to jump on and learn from them as well. And it's, it's just been really fun. I've really enjoyed it because I'm a fan first, you know, and then I, I add all the other stuff later. And um, that's why I got good at fighting. Cause I think I'm, I'm a fan of it. I just love it. This is incredible to hear all of this. Dominic Cruz and Roman Bravo young with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I've spent a lot of time with Cruzy recently, but to hear you Roman lay out your plans like that, uh, I think it just speaks to the overwhelming success you've had in your life, despite being born in 1999. This kid's got it all going on. So I just have to ask a few questions. I know you got practice coming up in five minutes, and maybe Dom will stay a few extra minutes on the back end, although he looks like he's ready to fucking kill somebody all wrapped up. But so, I'll try to get this one, with you. <laughs> 182 and 0 at Sunnyside High School, right? Like I did a deep dive into your Penn State career earlier, but I wonder in those 182 matches, I'm not even sure what the pressure is like going into that 182nd match trying to preserve that fucking O. Forget about the New England Patriots at 17 and O or whatever it was. I can't even imagine what that was like. But how many of those mat in how many of those matches were you really challenged to go 182 and O? Yeah, you know, I was uh, in high school. I mean, I wrestled the best. I went to national tournaments, and uh, I didn't really like. Like college was, I didn't really think I'd end up at Penn State. So, like, I didn't really care at first. And then people were like, yo, you can actually go to college and stuff. And then I kind of like took it more serious. But at first, my freshman year, like, I was like, I'm probably not going to college. None of my family went to college. I was the first to graduate. So, I wasn't really thinking any of it. And then I moved in with another coach. He kind of took me in and was like, yo, 
the everyone always saw something in me that I didn't see. Alcazar wasn't really, wasn't really going down the right path at first, and then I was like, all right. Then I went two, and then I'm like, dang, why don't I just be four times state champ undefeated? So that was the plan. And yeah, there were nerves, but it's at the same time I wasn't really there wasn't really like uh like when I got to college and I was I was telling people this past year was probably the most pressure I've ever felt in my life going for your third NC title. I was yep. like on a 56 match winning streak. If I could have won, I maybe had a shot at the Hodge. Um, it was crazy. But at the same time, when I'm dealing with all that pressure, it's like I'd rather have that kind of pressure than be working a nine to five or just life could be so much worse. So I just embrace the pressure. I yeah. like it. But yeah, it's not easy. You know, people want to see you lose. And, um, but it kind of drives me. You know, I'm, I'm living my dream every day. I get to, I wake up, I get paid to wrestle every day and trains hard. So but I like that pressure. It's a good feeling. What was that setting like that jujitsu match a couple of months ago against Alex Perez? Yeah, you know, I, I really liked it. I want to do another one. You know, they they kind of hinted at me. They wanted me on on the December card, so I might, I might do that. We'll see. But I just got to be careful because obviously the Olympics is more important than grappling. I'll get more opportunities than that. But you know, it's fun. It's unique. I just need more reps. Like I mean, I think I felt like I held my ground. But you got to think, Alex has been in the game for a while. He's doing jujitsu and all his fight camps i only really did it seriously for three weeks but uh it was fun i definitely want to get more into that but it just takes time just need more reps all right and before we let you go incredible collegiate wrestling career you dealt with the COVID circumstances as well i don't know if you had one moment that trumps all when it comes to your college wrestling career certainly it seems like there were some crazy circumstances in one national championship final the kid from oklahoma state Maybe you didn't deserve to get penalized for stalling. You go to overtime. Um, but what match sort of, I know you probably get asked this a lot, but stands apart from maybe some of the others. Uh, I think, uh, I think maybe the second time I won, not really cause I won, but like how my grandpa reacted, he like threw himself on the floor and that's kind of like why he, why I do this. He got me started. So seeing him happy, I was just trying to make him happy because Sometimes the stuff he used to put me through was, was grueling, but it's cool that I can like pay him off. Cause at first I, when I started wrestling, I didn't really understand why, why am I doing all this work now? And then after you went national, you're kind of like, Oh, that's why he had me doing all this. So I think that match was cool, you know, but I had a lot of fun matches. There's a lot of fans at Penn State. We always salad all the crowds, but every match is cool. But yeah, that was a good one. And then I think just being part of, Four, I was on three national team championships. So I think when you see your whole team win and Penn State had like five champions one year in a row and it's like I started it off and we get four more who just keep winning and it's like stuff like that is just history. But it's, being part of that is cool. And last thing, I know I lied, but your weight class in MMA, would it be 25, 35, both? Have you thought about that? Uh, yeah, so I'm actually, I went 33 in college. I'm actually working on shrinking my body down to 25 and uh, – I'm going to do this Olympic cycle at it. And I think obviously probably fighting would probably be the best at 25 and you actually get oh, like 24 hours to recover and fighting and in wrestling, right. you got about three or two. So I think if I can do three or two and I feel good, uh, then I think obviously fighting makes sense down there. But for now, I'm just going to see how I feel with mm -hmm. the wrestling and if it goes good, it goes good. And if it doesn't, then I probably just have to go up. So we'll play it by year, see how bring my body down works out. All right, my man. Well, uh, we will be tracking your progress from afar. Congratulations on everything you got going on. I know you got to go hit the mats, but uh, Roman Bravo Young, we appreciate a few minutes, champ. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, thanks for having me. All right, now we're going to hit Cruz pretty hard. So, Dom, it was great to see you this past weekend. We can't really get into why we were together, but uh, this Roman Bravo Young, to hear him lay out this whole plan and the Mexico component to it, I mean – 
clearly you guys have had a lot of conversations and there was a lot of sort of forethought that went into this plan. I mean, I'm, I'm very excited. I didn't quite understand uh, just how bullish he was on an MMA career and everything else. This is cool. Well, he's a smart, smart guy. And more than that, he's got really good support. You know, I look at a lot of the highest level athletes on earth, especially in MMA. And they get there with no coach. They're like, hey, they're, I'm undefeated. I've never lost. I know everything. I know exactly what I'm doing. I don't need anybody or anything. He's not that guy. And so it gives me a lot of hope for him. He's the guy that goes, I've got leaders. I trust everybody. I trust the people that are supporting me in the system. He's got his his grandfather, Bravo, who's had him since day one. And he's a, a extremely good athletic coach. Like he just knows how to work you. And then his coach, Kale Sanderson's the next level. And then all those guys that he works with there have got him for life. Like they're going to tap into his mindset forever. I think their life are friends for him. So with all that being said, I can't, I don't see how he could, uh, be off because, you know, one of the big things I noticed with these youngsters is they get off on their own and they don't have, they don't accept, invitations from leadership is the best way to put it. Not advice, because nobody wants advice when you're young. You just want to be able to make decisions on your own. He makes good decisions, but he's got good people uh, influencing him around him. So I think that's going to create a really good poss- really good possibilities for him. One of the toughest things about being a high-level uh, uh, sports person is the discipline of life coming at you and you not biting on all the things that are trying to pull you out of the discipline. Um, he's got good, good leaders around him, even though he's young. So I think that he's got a a lot of hope. All right. I know Kenny has some stuff in terms of what your future holds the rest of the year and beyond, but I have to talk to you about Aljamain Sterling and just this conversation about the greatest Bantamweights of all time and the most accomplished Bantamweights of all time. And I know this isn't a conversation that you necessarily want to have, but I have never received more disagreement in 20 years as a talking head than when I suggested that Aljamain Sterling and not you was maybe the greatest bantamweight of all time. And really, what I was trying to say was that I thought after he beat Henry that maybe in terms of the overall accomplishments that he had pulled ahead, right? And I had the fan base all over me for 72 hours. And I guess I just bring it up to you because I hope you feel that love and the acknowledgement of your body of work because you got no fucking bigger fan than me. I just try to call it like I see it and everyone disagree. Yeah, well, thanks, Anik, uh, for calling it how you see it because I know you're not making it about your own specific needs and wants. It's it's about the athlete that's competing and that's what you did for Aljo and I get that. That's what that job is. That's what's so tough about that job, Anik, and that's why you're one of the best. How can we be neutral, even though we know people that are in there killing themselves. So Aljo has defended title three times in the UFC. I defended the UFC title uh, three times and then came back or twice and then lost it and then came back and won it again. Um, So I won it twice in the UFC. But the thing that I think is missing that a lot of fans apparently from listening to you know, is that the weight class began in the WC. So it's, it's a little bit different because In most organizations, if you win a title in another uh, organization, it doesn't count because the weight class didn't begin in that organization. In the WEC, there was no weight class for 125, 35, and 45. 25 didn't even exist. It was only 35 and 45. So 25 didn't even start until 35 and 45 got implemented in the UFC. Me and Jose Aldo had to fight in order to win a UFC belt. So I didn't just get, here you go, here's a belt, Dom. 
You're right. a UFC champion. That's not how it worked for me. I was a WC champion. I defended it uh, three times. And then they said, okay, now you got to fight to win the UFC title. You're not just champion. Ronda Rousey got given the belt. She was right, just right. champion because the women's division was still growing and she was the queen of it. Like, let's be honest. There's nobody that was going to top her star power to build that division. So here you go. You can have it. Now, me, on the other hand, I got to fight for it. Aldo had to fight for it because there's a huge division full of animals in our division. Right, right. So I had to fight. I got to fight uh, Jorgensen to win that title. And so that made me, you know, I was a six time defending champion uh, in the UFC, in my weight class, not just in the UFC, in my weight class is the way it would be worded. And some fans seem to know that, I guess, and some, some don't, but that's the history of the sport of this weight class, like it or not. Uh, we had to start somewhere and it was in the WEC with Reed Harris, uh, Uriah Faber, that whole team alpha male, uh, without yeah. that rivalry that I don't know if there's enough animosity to build the weight class, the way that, uh, right. we hated each other to be honest. <laughs> Dude, it, it seems like uh, the belt at 135 pounds, it's got some Crisco on it, man. People can't hold on to that thing it's for hard, too long. Man. The division is insane. It's so stacked right now. You know, for me, it's probably between 155 and 135 pounds as the most competitive in the UFC. Um, what does it say, you know, with O'Malley beating Aljo, especially the way that he does, the way that he did, uh, what does it say about the bantamweight division and where do you put it as far as, you know, toughest divisions in the UFC? So I love it when you get a, a guy like that coming in here and shaking things up, you know, because you look at him in the yawn fight and it was an extremely competitive fight. And that was to me between him and Vera, uh, between Jan and Vera, the two, Jan, Vera and Aljo are the toughest fights he had. And those are all three very tough fights. He won uh, two, or, two or three of those. So, Stur uh, O'Malley is as good as everybody wants him to be. He's proven it. Um, he knocked out the champion who was defending. He's got power in his hands, and so he can pretty much knock out anybody in the division because he's got that one-punch power shot. Now, the question is how many people, you know, have that knockout power and there's little gaps because of the knockout power. That's the question that gets to be asked in that position. As your champion, it's one thing to be champion. It's another thing to defend the title. To right. me... To be a champion, you got to defend it not once, but I'm especially in 135 pounds. I didn't lose for 10 years and I had some injuries in there, but to come back from injury and face the best in the division is not any easier. So it's not like I got a rest or something. I was in the division. Pressure was on. Get well, get well, get well. And when you get well, Dom, after three years or 10 years, you're fighting the best guy in the world. So have your shit together. Well, he's in that boat now. He gets yeah. to feel that pressure. Um, he gets to feel the pressure of the entire division drooling, chopping at the bit to take him out. Because you got to think when you're watching a guy on the outside, you're seeing every single move he makes and you're adjusting every single move you make on the lower end of the ladder to adjust to the champion. Now, everybody in the whole world is adjusting to Sean O'Malley's style. Does he switch weight classes so that nobody's focused on him in another weight? Or does he stay where he's at, defend what he's got, be a multiple-time defense uh, champion, and show that he's the best in the world in this weight class by fighting and cleaning out the division? When I was champion, I cleaned out the division. When Kamaro Usman was champion, he cleaned out the division. When uh, Izzy's champion, he cleans out the division. Then you go up. 
not these guys hopping around, hopping, defend your belt. That's what right. a champion does because you got a whole lineup of people who yeah. are ready for your style, who are ready to face exactly what you are, who are chomping at the bit for the opportunity to beat everything that you've represented with your style. And that's what makes it tough to stay on top in one weight class and to keep defending, keep defending. So I think O'Malley has the skills because he has the power uh, to knock out anybody in the division. So could he just keep knocking everybody out? I do believe he could. The question is, will he? And it's right. harder to stay on top than it is to earn it. Earning it once is one thing. Try earning it and defending it multiple times. Whole different ballgame we're talking about there. That's real champ stuff to me. No question about it, dude. Um, in, in regards to your future, man, um, where do you stand? Uh, you, you got you got your hands wrapped. I know you're training all the time, uh, and I know you can get any fight, but I know you don't want any fight. You want the right fight. Uh, do you have something coming up, and, and what is that right fight? Uh, what does that look like? I say what my coach always tells me because, you know, as fighters, that's why it's so, like I said with Roman, it's so nice to have leaders. I can't do this by myself because my emotions get pulled into it. My ego gets pulled into it. You have to have an ego in fighting. Otherwise, there's no reason to show up. So I have it. It's just that I can't use it everywhere because it doesn't always work to use it. That crazy huh. dumb doesn't work everywhere. Nobody wants to see that guy. So Truth. I have to set him aside. And that's the guy you usually see on these interviews. But the ego guy is who my coach talks to. And that's the guy that, that my coach says, shut the fuck up. What are you talking about? What do you mean booking a fight? You, right. you haven't hit pads enough. You haven't. My coach will tell me when I'm ready. Yeah. And that's one of the blessings I have is not having to make that decision alone, Kenny. Like not having to say I'm ready. Like he'll be like, no, you're, you're not ready, man. Like let's do another three months. And one of the things my coach is saying is have fun with training right now. You are who you are. People are going to be lining up to fight you. Uh, get get myself to where I feel like, okay, I've gone through a consistent amount of sparring rounds, a consistent amount of drilling rounds. Nothing's locking up. I shot my shoulder up with some stem cells. I do want to come back and fight. I want my body to work. So I'm not coming in there, booking a fight, hurt, pulling out, right. pulling all that mess. So if it works, it works and I'll be back. If it doesn't, I'll know soon and then we'll know the next move. But I am training, as you can see, I'm doing everything I can to get everything lined up because I do want to compete. I love fighting. When I started this game, it was illegal in every state and I was paying money to fight my first four fights at 155 pounds. I lost money. So certain, certain people in this game, that's when this game started. You started when you were paying money to fight. That was me. I just yeah. do it because I enjoy it, not because yep. I have to. So I just feel grateful to be here, to be honest. Still competing. Former two-time UFC Bantamweight champion Dominic Cruz. Outstanding stuff as usual. And if you ever wondered as to how much love there was out there for you, just go to my mentions, man. It's all there in plain color. Thousands upon thousands of them. Love so. everybody, too. And thanks for saying that, Annick, because you know I get down on myself a little bit. My man. <laughs> Train smart. We'll, uh, we'll see you in a few weeks, brother. You're the best. Appreciate you guys. There is yeah. Donna Cruz with us today on the Anik and Florian podcast. I have a few thoughts on the back end of the interview, but first I need to get you this from game time because man, I like this application and I've had some issues in the past, even recently trying to get tickets to the NBA's Eastern conference finals in Miami. I'm looking for the best price. I find tickets and then all of a sudden they get swiped from underneath me. Process became a hassle. Well, now we got game time. The fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the game or the UFC live event or whatever you're looking for. 
The Game Time app is outstanding. You can buy last minute tickets on there, which I know a lot of you out there like to do. Game Time also has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets as well for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Seat views are there as well. It is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country, and it is such for a reason. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code AFPOD for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem code AFPOD for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Really cool stuff there, Kenny. I thought from not just Roman Bravo Young, but Dominic Cruz as well. And uh, it's going to be really interesting, I think, based upon that conversation for you and I to uh, to monitor how far RBY can take it. But real quick, if you'll indulge me for a minute on this Cruz Aljo thing, and then we'll get the fuck out of here. So. Dom is, uh, you know, Kenny left me, right? And Kenny and I spent a ton of time on the road. You know, there's nobody in broadcasting I've been closer with than Kenny Florian. Obviously, Kenny and I don't see each other a lot. And not that Dom and I see, don't see each other a lot necessarily on the road, but he is my best friend among my broadcast partners. And so when I take this stance on Aljo, you know, I take it seriously, right? And I, I'm, it's not that criticism came my way. It's just that overwhelming disagreement came my way. So I just want to on this platform that I have, just share my two cents. And if you have anything on the backside, great. So Aljamain Sterling going into the Sean O'Malley fight when I said this had 15 UFC wins. Dominic Cruz, WEC and UFC combined 14 wins. And then I look at a slightly different era. And then I look at Aljamain Sterling's wins list. Corey Sandhagen, Piotr Jan times two, TJ Dillashaw, Henry Cejudo, Hennon Barrao, who some still still suggests as the greatest 35er of all time. Pedro Munoz, Cody Stamen, on and on it goes. The wins list to me for Aljamain Sterling in this era just was too much accomplishment to ignore. But greatest bantamweight of all time, to some may suggest that he's the most skilled 135er of all time. And I might give that distinction to TJ Dillashaw or Dominic Cruz, right? But TJ Dillashaw is not even in this conversation because of the blood doping. So I laid it out for Aljamain Sterling. I think based upon his accomplish, he has done more than any 135 pounder. But yeah, Cruz, he's right there on his heels and seems like 90% of the fan base thinks that Cruz is still the standard and deserves that goat emoji, if you will. Well, I think it's a good discussion. Um, and I think both are certainly close and deserve their kudos, right? But I think based on what Aljo has done, the consistency uh, and the fact that the fact that the division is way more difficult today than it was way back when. And, and, and that's why in some cases, you know, goat conversations, best of all time is very difficult to put together just because the sport evolves. Right. And, um, you, you have to assume, and it is the case that the sport is as tough and as good as, as it is now. Like it, it, it's better than ever. Yeah. So when you have a champion representing that specific division, then you too have to understand that his competition is also better than ever. Not always right. the case, right. but mostly the case. And it's certainly the case at 135 pounds right now. It's just ridiculous. So Aljo being at the top for that long, defending his belt against the guys that he did, I think it was absolutely warranted. But Dominic Cruz, as far as his style and what he did not only as a champion, but also for the sport in general. I mean, now you look at guys, they're all trying to move like 
they're all trying to move like Dom. They're all trying to copy the same yeah. movement. They're all trying to add those unique flavors of footwork into their game. Why? Because Dom was doing it before anybody else. Yeah. No, you put that well. And I do believe singularly the biggest win, the most consequential win when all factors are considered in the history of this division was when Dom came back, became a two-time champion, beat TJ Dillashaw in Boston in 2016. It was a close fight. It was a split decision. But the fact that Dom was able to come back from all those injuries over the course of five years, there was the Mizugaki fight and then another layoff. That, to me, is the singular biggest win. But if Aljamain Sterling had added a win over Sean O'Malley to this already potent legacy, you know, then I would have thought that he would have maybe even further distanced himself, but he did not do that. And uh, and then somebody said, God, Anik, you're so biased. Sean O'Malley could be the greatest bantamweight of all time. 100% he could go down that way. But right? he That's isn't why, right now. <laughs> right. He is not right now. But some of these conversations, you're right, can be fruitless to have. I just yeah. feel like people in a broad scope do not acknowledge Aljamain Sterling's body of work because he's the only champion ever to win the undisputed title by way of a DQ. But that's enough about that. And I just felt like I needed to address that with my guy, Dom, because, uh, you know, even though he's not completely locked into social media all the time, he certainly sees that article written on MMA Junkie. And maybe my comments were sensationalized or clickbaited a little bit. But, uh, right. you know, I mean what I say and I say what I mean. All right. We got to get on out of here. Don't forget UFC Paris coming up this week. And by the way, you're still on. Uh, you still like Sergey Spivak now? A couple days yeah, out, plus one forty or so. I do. Right. I'm sticking right. with that one. Yeah. All right. Main card three p.m. coming up this weekend. Also, don't forget on Sunday, Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anik, part of the broadcast team for APFC Anthony Pettis Fighting Championship in Hammond, Indiana. I believe two p.m. Eastern time, if I'm not mistaken, Sunday on UFC Fight Pass. Thank you to our guests today, Roman Bravo Young and Dominic Cruz, our man Cody Merrow, putting it all together. Please do subscribe to that DraftKings YouTube channel. And if you do like our shows, that will populate and the show will be progressively easier to find. And uh, we appreciate every last one of you supporting the show. If you do want to go to WorldMMAAwards.com, you can vote for Kenny Florian for Analyst of the Year and you can vote for the show for Podcast MMA Program of the Year. Man, we would appreciate that. All right, thank you all. We look forward to recapping the Paris show with you next week. And uh, we will get at least one podcast in the can before I go wheels up to Sydney for uh, UFC uh, 293. With that, for Ken Palm, John, and thank you all for watching, for listening. Until next week, yo, man. Time I start a verse, I break at least three commandments. Kinda like Pluto because I never plan it. I'm outlandish in the way they make the patches look like they own ranches. It's the art of war, your blood's the only color on the canvas. And I don't mean it like a thug sense of how you can get God. Fuck being gangsta, I'm hip hop. You got it every time you walk in the label, the A&R's like not it. Immune to your shit cause I circle, circle, dot, dotted. Body heat is a toxic leak, gotta beat, I don't gotta speak. Copies, he start to think psychically, make the speakers speak elitistly. Off the high horse, make an ass of their views. Your DJ must not know the alphabet for getting his cues. My favorite DJ got those are six extra L's to abuse. Esoteric John P and I'm the new kid at school. I'm Raider Ellis. Nice to meet you. Show busting my styles. Egocentric, ego tripping with frequent fly smiles. DJ wants to get in the bird. He gets in the bird. And bird takes the shot. He's out. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. 
Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.